It's Friday the 3rd of February. This is the Climate Alarm Clock. This week's headlines, extreme flooding in New Zealand and oil companies announce record profits. Hello and welcome to the Climate Alarm Clock, your weekly Irish climate news podcast. I'm Dara Wynn and I am thrilled that we are back in 2023 for the fourth season of the podcast. I'm joined once again by Anna Pringle and Kira Daly. Anna, how are you keeping? Good morning, Dara. All good here, thank you. Glad to be back. Great, same here, same here. And Kira, how are you? I'm great, Dara. Four seasons old. We'll be heading off to school soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, we've got a slightly different format this year where we're just going to do a deep dive into two news stories. And even though deep it's February... Dive. It feels like there's a lot going on this year already. So I think let's just jump straight in. Um, So as I said, we're just a month into 2023 and already we've seen some unbelievable extreme weather. So in California at the start of this month, there was extreme flooding, which killed 19 people and caused $31 billion in damage. But we're starting this episode with what has been described as the biggest climate event in New Zealand's history after a week of torrential rain in Auckland. So I think the vid- the videos are the best thing, I think, to actually describe that. But to try and give some figures around it, there were eight times more rain this January than an average January. And on the 27th of January alone, one station recorded 260 millimetres of rain in 18 hours. So if you're wondering how much that is, that's roughly the equivalent of all the rain there has been in Dublin from the start of October to the end of January. Or to put it in wow. ter- or to put it in terms outside of the capital, Cork had its wettest October ever in the October just gone. You'll remember we had a very wet October. And they I don't remember that far back. And they had an incredibly they had more they had more rain in, in Auckland in that 24 hours than Cork had in all of October. Um, so as I said, it's really worth looking at the footage. The stats don't do it justice. But schools were closed for a week. Um, four people died. The airport was shut down completely in uh, on Friday, last Friday, the 27th of January. And the new Prime Minister, Chris Hipkins, put it well when he said, it's a one in a hundred year event. And we seem to be getting a lot of them at the moment. And I think that's a good way to sum it up. We're going to see weather getting increasingly extreme into the future. And I think when we see stuff like this, we really do need to to pay attention and use it as a wake-up call for all of us. Yeah, that's really, really scary to think that like that's even physically possible for that much rain that kind of huge consumption of, or huge amount of rain that we would get here in Ireland across months to happen in 18 hours. That is wild. Did you see the videos? Did you see any of the videos? Like there was one video of a bus, people on a bus. So imagine yourself on a bus going down the Keys or something and all of a sudden there's just water flowing through the bottom of the bus. And people mm-hmm. are trying to keep their feet up and stuff. And then you look outside and the, the road has turned into a river. Yeah. I mean, it's mad it's looking. Like an apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose the thing, uh, <laughs> without without doom-mongering too much in our very first episode, but the thing on, with Dara. this is that this isn't a new normal. You know, we yeah. know the climate is going to keep warming into the future. We know that even if we stopped all emissions tomorrow, that there's baked-in emissions, the planet's going to keep warming. Um, a warmer planet can, a warmer atmosphere can hold more water. 
in in the atmosphere, which leads to these heavier rainfall events. And so this isn't a new normal. The weather is going to keep getting more and more extreme. You mean it's going to get worse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, which and these is, freak accidents, one in a hundred year weather events but, but, might start becoming two, three, four. One in, well, some yeah. of them become one in ten. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's what... And it's interesting. I mean, flooding is so devastating. Like we saw that in Pakistan last year. And the, in the California floods earlier in January, they, it actually killed more people than all the wildfires in California well. in the previous year. So you kind of, they're not as dramatic as wildfires, but they kill, they, floods are what kill people. Yeah. Yeah, and especially when... Yeah, I guess there's less warning around flooding. There's less protocols around it. And it's probably a bit harder to predict maybe uh, in some ways than the fires. So, yeah. God, it's great to be back with you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That really is really, really sad (laughs) and scary. Yeah. yeah. And then the interesting thing as well is, while in California, the insurers are saying about over $30 billion in damage, in mm-hmm. New Zealand, it's too soon to even estimate. Wow. They have no idea yet how much damage was done because it's the bi- they said it's the biggest non-earthquake event that has happened yeah. in that country. You know, they get earthquakes a lot. So in terms of insurance, it's the most expensive event that has ever happened outside of an earthquake. In one way, it feels kind of crass to talk about like the financial impact of it when people have died in it. But when it's a an issue that... W- countries are going to be coming up against over and over you you sort of do have to kind of take that really seriously because that's obviously going to impact your ability to support other services if it's something that's going to keep happening and you have to keep footing the bill of yeah and, yeah, yeah, and also Kira, like that's just such a good justification for taking action you know however yeah. much it costs to take action on climate change it's still way cheaper than paying the payouts of all the climate impacts you know, yep. and that's countless studies have sh- shown that. Um, so that's a, that's a really, really good point. Um, yeah, so then sticking with the water cycle and moving to this side of the planet, um, scientists from a university in Graz in Austria have warned that mainland Europe is on the verge of catastrophe as, gr- as groundwater <laughs> reserves are at record lows. So there was a water shortage in the summer months of 2018 and 2019 and just the groundwater levels haven't really recovered since then. So these findings came from a, gra- a gr- <laughs> these findings came from a gravimetry study which I looked up how to pronounce that word yesterday and I still got it wrong, <laughs> which is where the well st- which is where the strength of a gravitational field is measured. So it was using two satellites that absor- observe changes in groundwater over time. Um, and yeah, see, Dara, I would have just said it was using satellites. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't have even asked. But um, it's really if you if you look up the article as to how it's done, it's it's really interesting. The satellites are called Tom and Jerry, and they kind of follow each other and measure different things and are able to compare things. And then the scientists look at all the water that is stored in all the different places, and then um, and then work out how much groundwater there is. And I mean, we saw in the summer of 2022 the impact that the water shortage was having in Europe in all kinds of things in agriculture and nature but also it affected energy supply with obviously hydroelectric power being affected but also nuclear power because there wasn't enough 
cooling water available to actually cool down the reactors so they couldn't run them as, as frequently. And then we saw the Rhine dried up and uh, supply chains were affected. So um, with the water table as low as it is, we can expect more of this kind of disruption, I think, in 2023 in Europe. Can I do the a couple of term checks with you guys here? Groundwater, table water, what are all these things? It's just normal water, is it? Yeah, that's a good, <laughs> it's a great question, Kira. And it's the water, it's the water that's sort of underground, that's sort of, it's, so it's part of the water system. Um, okay. But it's, it's, it's the under, underground water that is part of the water system. So Servicing. Yes. Yeah, but that yes. comes up. It comes up into rivers and into lakes. Okay. So okay. if you think about, actually, I was just watching something about this. The Shannon Pot, where the Shannon starts, that is actually comes from groundwater in the mountains that just sort of filters up, in and starts okay. the river. Yeah, okay. and you'd 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 also see like the turlocks around us. You know where they flood yeah. in where they flood yep. where they flood where they flood in the winter, but yeah. but in the summer, just like there's still water there underground. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but the problem is if the water levels are so low, or if there's water, if there's the groundwater is not there, then the rivers start to dry up and lakes start to dry up, and so on. So, that becomes a big issue. Okay, great. So the interesting thing <laughs> is you've got you've got climate change affecting more water and yeah. less water. You know, so it's the whole rhythm yeah. is just kind of messed up. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's bringing it's bringing those extremes, and then the other thing is, you know, you could have hypothetically, <laughs> really didn't intend on doom mongering this much, but you know, hypothetically, you could have really, really low um, groundwater levels, and then still have an extreme rainfall event in Europe this yeah. summer that causes flash flooding. You know, yeah. um, the two things aren't aren't exclusive. Um, yeah. Oh, that yeah. is extremely Lots. sad, actually. It's scary, but I think I'm more sad about that as well. I, we've actually been lucky in Ireland so far. Um, mm. We haven't had that kind of extreme weather event. I mean, we've had some drought and so on. But, but I mean, if you look at New Zealand, in some elements, some parts of New Zealand, the, the um, climate is quite similar to us. But mm -hmm. we haven't had that kind of extreme weather event yet. So Yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> we didn't well, always get hit by a hurricane, but mm, yeah. Well, well, yeah. Well, I suppose in terms of, as you said, yes, the the prospects for extreme weather in the year ahead are looking a bit worrying because it's an El Nino year this year. Do you know what El Nino is, Kira? No. So basically, every between every two to seven years, we see an El Nino or an El Nina event, which refers to. It's basically a change in the surface water temperature in parts of the Pacific Ocean. So the if it the water gets particularly warm, that's an El Nino event. And if it gets particularly cold, that's a La Nina event. And it has huge knock-on effects for the world's weather. So when it's an El Nino year, the world's temperatures rise on average by 0.2 degrees. And when it's a La Nina year, they lower by 0.2 degrees on average. So the hottest okay. year on record up until this point was 2016, which was an El Nino year. The last three years have been La Nina years. And even despite that, Still hot. last year was the fifth hottest year on record, even though it was one of these La Nina years that is 0.2 degrees on average, cooler than normal. So this year is going to be an El Nino year. So there have been a lot of predictions that this is going to be by far and away the hottest year uh, ever. Wow, 
Okay. El Nino up, La Nina down. Yeah. That's what I've taken and hot summer on the way. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't I don't I'm not really into I'm not really into when people do these long term forecasts or long term chats on what the weather's gonna be like, but El Nino and La Nina is actually one good predictor of that. Yeah. Okay. 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 All right. <laughs> That's enough, I think, of the of the weather talk, and uh, possibly onto onto our other favourite topic, uh, Anna. <laughs> uh, yes, and I don't think this will cheer us up much either. But um, so all of this is going on, and you might be thinking. I know you are wondering about this, Kira, because you've, you've been thinking about Bernard, I'm sure, but you might be thinking, what about oil company profits? Surely they're starting to take a hit now since they're um, destroying the planet on us. But no, amidst all this extreme weather, and then, of course, we have a cost of living crisis, we've had the cost of oil and gas going up. So you might be wondering, how are the oil companies getting on? Were you wondering that, Kira? Yes, Anna, how are the oil companies getting on? How is my friend Bernard Looney? Well, we have Does to wait for Bernard, but, but don't worry, they're getting on better than ever. So on Good. Tuesday, ExxonMobil, which is the biggest oil company in the world, reported a record-breaking, wait for it, 55 point, point, sorry, let me say that again, reported a record-breaking $55.7 billion wow. profit for 2022. Almost 50 Six billion. That's profit. That's not income. That's profit. Then Chevron, another one of the big five, reported a record-breaking profit of only a mere $36.5 billion. And then on Thursday, Shell announced another record annual profit of about $40 billion. We have to wait for BP. We'll have that one next week, I'm sure, to see how Bernard's getting on. But, I mean, they're just astounding profits. The Financial Times has described it as big oil's profit bonanza. We even had um, President Biden complaining to ExxonMobil about the um, profits that they're taking. And in the context of people paying more for petrol and oil and gas. So... Yeah. It's just astounding to think about the amount of profit that they are making and why we are not on the streets yeah. marching against these companies. Yeah, it's <laughs> there's so many reasons to be so angry about it. Uh, the first one for me is just the cost of living crisis. The fact that people are struggling so much and it's not even like... You know, like they're making a modest profit. It's record profits. It's, it's absolutely taking advantage of this where we've so many people, you know, in this country um, struggling and there's those record profits. Also, the fact that it's just kind of they're essentially taking advantage of the war in Ukraine and just using that war yeah. as, a, as an opportunity for them to... That is actually heartbreaking. For them to, to I mean, make profit yeah, off I mean, this. So while old people are afraid to turn on their heat because of the cost... These guys are cleaning up. And even this week in Ireland, we saw the scandal of the fact that households have been subsidising large energy users, large corporates for their electricity. Uh, And then you see the amount of money they're making. Um, So, yeah, so it's uh, it's mind boggling. Yeah. To put it offhand, do either of you know what, um, say, what contribution to the climate crisis that or like, what impact does the fossil fuel industry? Do you have like a figure on that that you could put on the climate crisis? It's Maybe a, you don't. it's around it's around seventy percent. Ca- so yeah. wow. Okay, yeah. So yeah, that yeah. Is, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So and, like, and, and Kira, the other thing that that is that is makes my blood boil about this is that they knew. Yeah. They knew. So since our last season ended, a report came out that demonstrated through documents that Exxon knew since the 1970s mm-hmm. exactly what was going to happen. They predicted the kind of weather we were talking about in Auckland They and knew California. the impact that the work they were doing was having on the climate. Yes, they had, they had really good scientists. The scientists looked at it, they modelled it, they said, if we keep burning fossil fuels, this is what's going to happen to the climate. And they suppressed it and they ran campaigns and are still running campaigns to make people doubt the science, even though their own science proved it right. I mean, it is criminal. Yeah, that's exactly what the they word did. I was going to use. Yeah, yeah. And, that and is, it still is. Yeah, it is, and it still is. And that is such another reason to be angry um, mm-hmm. that is, there's so much intent behind it. You know, they can't, they can't claim ignorance. They can't claim, oh, we didn't realise, you know, we didn't realise um, the effect that it would have in extreme weather. We didn't realise there would be terrible flooding. We didn't realise that it could potentially lead no, to, to, massive, to massive famines in East Africa. Yeah, they knew, you know, roughly, um, de- or yeah, they knew the impact I mean, it was seen, going to have. Yeah. I've seen some of those documents, I've read them, and you actually have reports to senior management in Exxon saying there's going to be a need for more renewables. There's going to be a need, you know, there's going to be um, global warming. And that's from like 1977, I think the document I read was from. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and and I think, you know, definitely when I got into learning about climate and stuff and, you know, I hear people say, oh, it's, you know, it's the fossil fuel companies and and uh, and their profit motive and, and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's that's too simplistic. You know, you can't just boil it down to that. But it is such a huge part of it that it's these people that are just pursuing profits at all costs to the, to the you know, uh, to the detriment of the planet and now also even to the detriment of people, you know, in the developed world's living standards, you know? Um and it's hard. It's it, like that sounds overly simplistic, but it's hard to argue against that. Yep. And it makes you- it a lot easier to understand when you see, um, you know, the just stop oil protests, the kind of actions that they take. Sometimes it seems a bit loopy, but honestly, if <laughs> it's I. It, I would be. I am loopy knowing those <laughs> stories, but <laughs> yeah. It also is like, well, you just have to. You know, you can't just use a measured approach. You have to do something weird or drastic or, yeah. So it it puts it a a lot into perspective a lot for me when I I think about those protesters. And instead of judging them and thinking it's a bit weird, I I think I have a lot more admiration and respect for them now. Yeah. So certainly doing a lot more than I am about Exxon and all these people. And And they're very brave. They're putting their own futures on the line to do that. And and especially when you start to see laws coming in, like in the UK, where there's, you know, they're taking away the right to protest, they're taking away the right to strike. So this is very, also very linked to the rise of fascism and repression as well, mm. to keep things, to keep these profits protected. We're keeping it light for episode mm. one of season four, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think I think the other thing then about that, where you mentioned the just stop oil protesters, Kira, and and the profits, is that I think you know all of us obviously use fossil fuels every day, um, and we think, well, you know, what can I say? Because I'm part of this. You know, I'm 
I'm in a car and I'm using my electricity and whatever. And that is true to a point. But when you see the systemic um, lies and cover up the way that they uh, manipulated the agenda... Just, and it still are. Don't yeah. present tense. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, the the way they still continue to do that, it's not an equivalent. You know, it's not an equivalent. No. And you do have a right, even if you're using fossil fuels, you do have a right to say the fossil fuel companies need to stop that their profits yeah. should be stripped from them. That you know, maybe they should face criminal charges because, as you have both said, it is criminal. Um, yeah. And you, and you know what they're doing now in the US as well? They are infiltrating communities to complain and object against wind farms wow. and, and renewables. I mean, there's a lot of research now that shows that there's all these so-called, you know, community organizations, not-for-profits, but they're being funded by the fossil fuel companies to be anti, anti-wind anti and anti-renewables. Great. <laughs> yeah, they are. All right. Um, any, any more final rants at the fossil fuel industry before we move on? They're not all bad. <laughs> Bernard Looney's from Kim Air and Connie Carey, and he's just a guy trying to make a book, and everyone needs to leave him alone. No, no, he says he's just trying to provide the energy the planet needs. Um, Someday he will prove us wrong, <laughs> and we will have to do it. A public apology, we will eat our words. <laughs> um, yeah, so for anyone who hasn't listened to the podcast before... Um, yeah, <laughs> we have. Discussed. It's just this guy I kind of have something going on with. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, listen to listen to previous episodes if you want to know more about Kira and Bernard Lewis. It's juicy. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be back soon. Um, okay, so then I suppose before we go, let's have a quick run through all the stories that we didn't get to look at in depth. Okay, so a good news one, Dara, for, for Kira. Um, Colombia, the country in Latin America, has announced a halt on fossil fuel exploration Great work, because they Columbia. want to have a greener economy. So that just shows you it's important to vote because it's because they've got a new left-wing government they're doing that. Amazing. Great. And Anna, what's the one? There is something with the long-term forecast for oil and gas Yeah, demand. Yeah, so the latest... Energy outlook from our friends BP. They are saying that the long-term forecast for oil and gas is is going down, and they think that there's going to be more investment in renewables in the future. So that's their that's their sort of um, scientific look at the outlook for energy. All right. Okay. Good. So that yeah, I mean that is something something good. Uh, yeah. Another another good news story um, uh, is that the Galway Ring Road. Um, oh. Has been has been this of global importance? Well, it's it's. I think it's very important um, <laughs> that the Galway Ring Road won't be going ahead. So it is. Uh, Galway Galway City Council um, did come out again to say they are totally committed to this project, but it was they quashed. Really love this road. But it was quashed in the court, and the reason it was quashed was because of the climate action plan, because the climate action plan wasn't taken into account. So, you know, we talk a lot about how Ireland has plans and they don't really have any impact, but this is at least one one example of that plan, of that piece of legislation having an impact because a ring road is not even a solution in terms of traffic for Galway. It's going to make the traffic worse. Um, so it is, it is a good news story and hopefully or the <laughs> city council will realise that at some stage and give up the ghost and pursue actual sustainable uh, transport initiatives instead. 
Yeah, long before time in Galway because it's the worst, probably the worst traffic in the country. Uh, yeah. In the city. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So another good news story for you guys. I want to bring the tone up before we end this. Um, 14 climate activists who allegedly, uh, but briefly disrupted Queensland Parliament last November. They came out from their court appearance um, on Wednesday this week and they were greeted by this big crowd of people supporting them and obviously the media as well. Um, They had obviously been trying to bring attention to the climate crisis and get action from their government on it. Uh, The government was obviously not happy about this and this was obviously how the court case came about. So what is actually significant about this group of climate activists is that they are all in their senior years. So one of the reporters asked an activist, his name was John Sheridan, he's 81 years old. He asked him, are you worried about the prospect of three years in jail, which is obviously the consequence he could face? And John replied very bravely and said, no, I won't live that long. So there's kind of two ways you can obviously look at that. You can think, wow, that's so sad. This man is kind of at the end or end years of his life and could possibly spend them in jail. I think it's really encouraging um, to see people in their kind of later years in life still taking this issue really seriously and being brave enough and audacious. And, you know, it's very easy for them to just sit at home and be like, it's somebody else's problem. It's showing real leadership in my eyes and it's it's great to see, if you ask me. Yeah, it's kind of inspiring. Good for them. Yeah. So the 14 of them were released. They were released on bail under the condition that they do not enter the parliament again. The case is going to be reviewed in two weeks um, and then they'll obviously just kind of be a little bit more of a delve and a dive into what happened. I'd like to see them doing it again. Go on, rule breakers, do it for Australia. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a great, it's a great story. Um, before we go then, um, just an action people can take. We didn't really dive into it much, but uh, there was in the last couple of weeks a lot of talk about Quilcha and uh, an overseas investment company coming in to plant loads of uh, monocultural forestry um, all over Ireland. There has been a few groups that have sort of taken action and protested against it. And if you want to add your voice to that, you can sign a petition at saveourforests.ie. Oh, save the forest, guys. What forests? We don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get them. So Let's get yeah, some forests. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Great stuff. That is it for this week. Um, Anna and Kira, it's been lovely catching up again. Indeed, Dara. Yeah, I wish I could say the same. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next week. <laughs> and if you did enjoy listening, please share the podcast with a friend. And a, re- and a reminder to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Climate Alarm Clock and on Twitter and Mastodon at The Climate Alarm. That's it. We will chat to you all next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.